Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Why are they funding communist regimes? Why are they helping out uh, communist uh, in other countries while they're also supposedly fighting them? Well, these uh, suspicions eventually led to hearings, and the reason that McCarthy and other people couldn't figure this out, the people from the John Birch Society, was that they figured out, hey, wait, this actually goes up above and beyond Moscow. This actually seems to point to very wealthy, powerful people in the military-industrial complex, very wealthy, powerful pe- people in the West, families, banking dynasties, industrialists, robber barons. They seem to be really pushing and supporting communism and socialism. And in other words, Fabian socialism. And that didn't go away because guess what? Some of the people involved in crafting the Steele dossier, the P-gate nonsense, well, they just happen to be Fabian socialists and members of the Fabian socialist elite of the UK. Exactly. But to get back to Henry Luce, uh, we need to talk about him because Luce has these connections, not just to Skull and Bones and the CIA, but they're gonna, we're going to find out that there's Hollywood connections. Interesting. Even at this time, for example, they were engaging in sexual psyops Claire Booth Luce, for example, the wife of uh, Henry Luce was known to be a honey trap, a sexual spy, and she uh, made her way around to compromise people. This is the show, don't go anywhere. We're doing Operation Mockingbird when we come back. Welcome back to the fourth hour of the I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. You can follow me also on all the social media outlets under my name, Jay Dyer. Today, I'm gonna be talking about something that was brought up early on in today's show, and that's Operation Mockingbird. I just did a really long deep dive on Mockingbird on my channel. That'll be a two-part series. You can get into that uh, by subscribing to me on my website or at Rockfin. But I wanna distill that, kind of break it down into the essence of what this is all about for you guys. And I think Mockingbird matters because if you wanna understand the architecture of how they implemented and ran the Twitter file censorship, the big tech collusion and all of that. We really have to go back and and look at Mockingbird, which is the predecessor to all of this. And this was really the CIA's Cold War management scheme for controlling media. Now it kind of ballooned into a worldwide control mechanism that is still in place. In fact, there was a journalist who went on RT some years ago, his name was UWE UWE from Germany, talking about how the CIA was still controlling German media up into the time of the Iraq war uh, and all the way up into the propaganda that they wanted put out uh, for I think the Assad regime and all that. So in 1948, we go back to the cold, right before the uh, real heat of the cold war, so to speak, before it's really 
ramping up. Right when it kicks off, you had a guy named Frank Wisner who was uh, appointed the director of the Office of Special Projects. That eventually became the Office of Policy Coordination, which as we've discussed in many of my lectures, was really the CIA's early black ops section. It had this really innocuous name of Office of Policy Coordination, but that was because it was actually engaged in espionage, counterintelligence, propaganda, economic warfare, preventative direct action, demolition, evacuation, subversion, et cetera. The justification for all this was, of course, the Cold War. We have to fight against anything that the Soviets are gonna do. <clears throat> Later on uh, in that, that time frame, uh, the Wisner established what he called Operation Mockingbird. And it was stated to originally be a program that would influence all domestic American media. His first recruit was Philip Graham, husband of Catherine Graham of the Washington Post. This project was essentially then expanded out to multiple other media outlets. They recruited at that time people who had formerly been in military intelligence and then went into the news and media section of the economy. This included people like James Truett, Russell Wiggins, Phil Galen, John Hayes, Alan Barth, Stuart Alsop, Joseph Alsop, James Reston, all of these were originally recruited out of the Jesuit University of Georgetown. They're known as the Georgetown Set. According to Deborah Davis in her book, Catherine the Great, about Catherine Graham, by the 1950s, Frank Wisner of the CIA owned the special respected members of the New York Times, Newsweek, CBS, and all of the other major, major communications vehicles. So by the 1950s, this was firmly in place domestically to control American media to put out what the establishment wanted. And everybody bought into this, not because they were bad people or because they were nefarious, but again, because of the exaggerated threat of the Soviets. And we now know, going back to the Keenan Doctrine, going back to containment, going back to what they wanted at the time of the Cold War, people like C.D. Jackson, was to exaggerate the Soviet threat. Doesn't mean that there weren't uh, Soviet spies, doesn't mean there weren't NKVD, doesn't mean there weren't people like uh, Alder Hiss or the Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, but those stories were exaggerated and trumped up to in, in implement the control mechanism. And you'll see this pattern all the time. Where has this pattern recently been repeated? Oh, Russia buying bots and supposedly stealing the election, Russia hacking the DNC, all of these lies that justified the implementation of the control mechanisms of social media that are still in place. They're still in place, they're still there on the basis of the supposed Russia bot farms and collusion. Exact same model and structure of, going back to the Cold War, Mockingbird. I'm not saying the Soviets are good guys. I'm not saying that everybody in America is the bad guys. I'm just pointing out the reality of the power politics that the control structure and the mechanism, the architecture of that control <clears throat> is the exact same system. It's just been updated to Mockingbird 2.0 rather than Mockingbird 1.0 with all of these legacy media outlets. <clears throat> One of the most important journalists recorded under, uh, re recruited under this was Alsup. And Alsup then on went to recruit and help with other journalists being recruited. This included the New York Tribune, New York Times, Newsweek, Time Magazine through Henry Luce and C.D. Jackson, the Daily Mirror, Walter Lippmann, so people out of Tavistock Institute, Hal Hendricks, Miami News, Chicago Daily News, and Hal Hendricks matters because he's one of the key figures in the JFK event. 
So it's actually Hal Hendricks that supplies the information that Lee Harvey Oswald is the patsy or is the person behind it. He uh, leaked that information before anyone else knew about our, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald or even the FBI knew about Lee, Har Lee Harvey Oswald. So in other words, that was a story planted on purpose by Hal Hendricks from Miami News. Uh, that's now all admitted. And uh, he. Th this also involved uh, the buying of the Zapruder film by Henry Luce, who paid, uh, I think, $100,000 for the film uh, at that time. William C. Uh, Bragg, Herb Gold, uh, Miami News, Ch Chattanooga Times, basically uh, all of the major news outlets, for the most part, were gradually being recruited into having editors and journalists who were either bought off or actual assets of the CIA. And the way they would do this was either buy them off or provide them with classified info to give them a hot leak or a hot story. After the 1950s, this network was then overseen by Alan Dulles, the new director of the CIA. By this time, Mockingbird had now influenced over 25 major newspapers, including William Paley, former OSS of CB and now with CBS, Henry Luce of Time Magazine, uh, and the host of other new recruits. The Office of Policy Coordination was funded by siphoning off funds from the Marshall Plan. So this is, again, uh, what kicks off the Cold War when Stalin re rejects the Marshall Plan A. That's exactly what causes the Cold War to kick into high gear. In fact, in 1954, Wisner arranged for the, fund the funding of a Hollywood project, Animal, Animal Farm, based on George Orwell's novel. 3,000 salaried contract CIA employees were eventually engaged in this giant propaganda effort. In fact, at this time, the CIA began to plot to overthrow governments in Iran and Guatemala. And Henry Luce played a key role in this because as the skull and bones uh, controller of Time magazine, Luce's politics hardened in the post-war years by becoming increasingly uh, Cold War obsessed. And that's because they wanted this Cold War to be ramped up. And it's fraudulent because the same people engaging in this would later be suspected of themselves being communists. I'm talking about people from the CIA like Cord Meyer, people en engaged in a lot of the Cold War activities. They were investigated and sus suspect by the FBI and the McCarthy, uh, uh, McCarthy hearings, questioned by the McCarthyites because they seem to be supporting so many communist, socialist, leftist ideas. And yet they're supposed to be the CIA. I thought they were fighting the Cold War. Why are they training Mao's guerrillas? Why are they funding communist regimes? Why are they helping out uh, communists uh, in other countries while they're also supposedly fighting them? Well, these uh, suspicions eventually led to hearings. And the reason that McCarthy and other people couldn't figure this out the people from the John Birch Society, was that they figured out, hey, wait, this actually goes up above and beyond Moscow. This actually seems to point to very wealthy, powerful people in the military-industrial complex, very wealthy, powerful pe people in the West, families, banking dynasties, industrialists, robber barons. They seem to be really pushing and supporting communism and socialism. And in other words, Fabian socialism. And that didn't go away because guess what? Some of the people involved in crafting the Steele dossier, the P-gate nonsense, well, they just happen to be Fabian socialists and members of the Fabian socialist elite of the UK, exactly. But to get back to Henry Luce, uh, we need to talk about him because Luce has these connections, not just to Skull and Bones and the CIA, but they're gonna, we're going to find out that there's Hollywood connections. Interesting. Even at this time, for example, they were engaging in sexual psyops 
Claire Booth Luce, for example, the wife of uh, Henry Luce, was known to be a honey trap, a sexual spy, and she uh, made her way around to compromise people. This is the episode. Don't go anywhere. We're doing Operation Mockingbird when we come back. Welcome back to the Alex Show. We're covering the history of Operation Mockingbird so that you have a good idea of the way that media control has ex been exercised in the past. And then we'll come to understand this architecture of the present day media control, which is just passed over into Mockingbird 2.0 via Twitter files, via tech collusion, via mass deleting and banning of people like Jones. My website was deleted in 2018 at the exact same time as uh, uh, was deplatformed de across all social media. So I was kind of lumped in with, uh, with you guys there because we're all trying to discuss the truth, get to the bottom of all of the issues. And even if we get one or two things wrong, we're about 90 to 95% accurate on everything else. So that's why the system is so scared. That's why they have to resort to typical tyrannical heavy-handed tactics like banning, deplatforming, and so forth. And everybody knows this. But remember that for many years they said, no, that doesn't exist. There's no deplatforming. We don't do that. And now it's come out, oh, that was all lies. Exactly. But going back to the Cold War period in the 1950s, Claire Booth Luce, the sex operative spy wife of Henry Luce of Time Magazine, she was actually engaged in going around and compromising and, uh, in fact, even had a role in, um, to a degree, what amounts to Gladio operations in Italy because she uh, did a lot of uh, colluding there with the Gladio operatives there, according to the book. There was basically a mini book that I'm reading, Operation Mockingbird by John Simpkin, which you can go read over at Spartacus Educational. It's a really good uh, lengthy treatment with a lot of footnotes and references to the history of Mockingbird. Another book that came out called Spiritual Industrial Complex by Jonathan Herzog uh, also deals with the co-opting of a lot of these religious and Hollywood forces via Mockingbird, including figures like Colonel Spellman, uh, who comes up in the David Wemhoff book quite a bit as somebody who was potentially compromised. <clears throat> and as we read through the text, he talks about how they realized that it would be much more successful if they were able to compromise and recruit people from Hollywood. Because Hollywood would play a key role beyond just uh, what we get in Time Magazine, right? Because they realize that fictional stories are, are much more effective. This ties into the two books that I wrote uh, on Hollywood and symbolism, Esoteric Hollywood 1 and 2, which you can get signed copies at my website in the shop. Because I talked about this many, many years ago as well, that Hollywood's really a, a giant um, uh, engine of propaganda. And that has a lot of facets to it, including things like predictive programming, including things like, um, you know, basic level propaganda, war propaganda, and so forth. And once we understand that, we can really understand uh, how destructive and powerful that entity is. Even though nowadays it's kind of losing ground to the internet, Hollywood has still been effective in basically uh, demoralizing and deconstructing uh, the United States of America. But I think it's a mistake to think that this is all the work of Soviets and communists. You have to understand that people like Henry Luce, who believed that, quote, a morally slanted press was a responsible press because that meant they could be controlled, that meant they could be steered. In fact, it was the success of communism uh, in the Cold War period in other countries that made the uh, American 
power elite worried that if there wasn't something to replace the the loss of spiritual foundation in the West, that people might fall to communism. And so the new push became Americanism and democracy as a new form of almost quasi-religious commitment. <laughs> this is why we see Hollywood, for example, beginning to push uh, Americanism uh, in this Cold War period through a lot of films, as well as the churches beginning to push Americanism because they're now becoming tools of soft power. Again, it doesn't mean that I am saying that Soviets are good because the church is being utilized by the American government to push Americanism. It just means that now the church is, is taking on a new master. Its new master will be uh, a choice between kind of a Marxist socialist idea of liberal social gospel and liberation theology, or will it choose Americanism and the principles of America? Of course, neither of those is actually what Christian theology is, but the state and uh, power players typically have a vested interest in turning the church into an adjunct of its own power, to make the church into a tentacle of the octopus of power. And that goes all the way back to the uh, to the medieval world as well, when you have, for example, uh, Byzantine emperors in the, in the Byzantine Empire who wanted to make the church into uh, their own uh, version of Christianity. Maybe they uh, believed in this or that view, and so they want to turn the church into basically something that they control. The same thing happened in the medieval uh, Renaissance papacy, where the papacy becomes a tool of certain powerful families like uh, Borgias and Medicis and so forth. So by the, uh, the 1950s, as we said, um, we get a new uh, head eventually of the, these uh, offices of OPC that merge with other directorates of planning that become the new uh, office of the DPP. Uh, at this time, this is important because he uh, Hoover uh, was getting to be a little jealous of the growing power that the CIA now had. And Hoover famously described the OPC as Wisner's gang of weirdos. He began carrying out investigations into members of the OPC and their past. And this is when we get a lot of suspicions of activities of OPC members in left-wing politics all the way back to the 1930s. The information then from Hoover was passed on to other members of the OPC and other members of the uh, uh, the intelligence apparatus, FBI, and eventually this comes back to uh, McCarthy. In fact, Hoover gave McCarthy details that Frank Wisner had had a an affair with the Princess of Romania. Uh, her name was Princess Karaja, and Hoover hoped that this would. Uh, sort of tarnish and mess up the OPC because if it could be shown that Wisner was colluding with a suspected Soviet, this princess, then uh, this would undo the OPC. So you have these kind of internal power dynamics between the FBI uh, and the CIA slash OPC here. McCarthy then began accusing other members of the CIA of being very uh, high-level security risks. So this is where we're starting to get McCarthyism. You see it ties into this stuff, to Wisner and the OPC. McCarthy even said at this time that the CIA was a sinkhole of communists. He claimed that he would root out a hundred of them. One of those first targets was the famous CIA operative Cord Meyer. Meyer was still working for Mockingbird. In 1953, Richard Helms, uh, who was Wisner's deputy of the OPC, told Meyer that McCarthy was after him. The FBI then added to the smear by announcing that it was unwilling to give Cord Meyer any security clearance. So now if you, if you saw Oppenheimer, right, this is uh, what you saw in that movie, right? Because 
Oppenheimer was part of the same uh, time period of being suspect of, oh, he's you know involved in uh, labor union and Marxist causes. Maybe he's a Marxist. <clears throat> but the, the real issue here is that that's just one level of this that people were not really figuring out. John, uh, John Birch Society and uh, Joseph McCarthy were gradually kind of sniffing around the edges of the fact that the real threat here was not a foreign power, but was actually the wealthiest people in the West. And they started to actually figure that out, and that's why they got shut down. So there's a level of truth to which, yeah, some of these people in the CIA were not communists or in the radical uh, Marxists in the sense of being Soviets. They were Fabian socialists. And that's what they couldn't figure out because the people running British intelligence, many of them were Fabian socialists. That's Marxism, socialism allied to big money capital. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And that's why it was confusing so many people. This is the Don't Go Anywhere. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. And you can follow me there. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. I want to remind you guys that if you're looking for some good entertaining debates, I've got a big debate coming up tomorrow night with one of the top Muslims. Daniel Hikikachu and I will be doing a debate tomorrow night. If you go to my uh, social media, you'll see it. I'll be posting the link everywhere. So follow me on Twitter or, or on YouTube or uh, or wherever. Um, you'll find that debate, I think, tomorrow night in the evening, 7 or so, somewhere in there. And uh, other debates coming up, too, uh, in, the, in the near future with uh, multiple uh, Islamic opponents. Uh, Jake the Muslim, uh, so-called metaphysician, uh, will be doing a debate, I think, in the near future as well. So look for those debates coming up. In regard to that'll be, I think, my fifth or sixth uh, Islamic debate that I've done. <clears throat> and I want to get back to this issue, though, of McCarthy, because uh, things are now heating up in this Cold War period, the 1950s. And when Cord Meyer is not given security clearance, much like in, in uh, you know, Oppenheimer, when you see that he's denied his uh, security clearance, the FBI, FBI then refuses to explain why. Alan Dulles then counters with this, coming to the defense and refuses the FBI uh, the ability to interrogate Cord Meyer. McCarthy then realized that he was taking, didn't, excuse me, didn't realize what he was taking on. Wisner then unre, uh, unleashed his mighty Wurlitzer of the press, and the entire press came after to destroy McCarthy. Drew Pearson, Joe Alsop, Jock Anderson, Walter Lippmann of the Tavistock Institute, and Edward R. Murrow all went after McCarthy. So you understand the real background to this is it's a little more complicated and nuanced. It's not just right-wingers versus commies. It's more complex than that. The, the press all went into a full attack mode and permanently damaged, basically destroyed McCarthy and the coverage regarding Wisner. Now remember, McCarthy is concerned that there's Soviets and communists in the government. But at this time, everybody thinks that it's Stalin and the NKVD running all of this. And there's a level to which, yes, there were NKVD operatives. 
But what's happening is that McCarthy is starting to realize, hey, wait a minute, there's actually a lot of CIA people connected to the CFR because, as you guys remember, many of the early uh, CIA directors and heads, there's a whole string of them, 12 or 15 of them, they're all from the CFR. McCarthy's beginning to realize that, hey, a lot of these Council on Foreign Relations people, they seem to be kind of on the same page with socialism. But they're not Soviets, but even some of them want to align with and reconcile and have a new global government where capitalism merges with Sovietism, the third way. And so they're starting to figure out, hey, wait a minute, some of these people that are very wealthy, <clears throat> that are even involved in the Cold War, they might be anti-Soviet, but they're not actually anti-Marxist or anti-socialist. You see the difference there? This is why the OSS and CIA bring all of the Frankfurt School Marxists over to the US to be engaged in cultural warfare or cultural Marxism. Mockingbird then went uh, into active attack to engage in overthrows of foreign governments, including Arbenz, Guatemala. Henry Luce was able to censor stories, for example, that would ever appear sympathetic towards anything against this establishment's cause. Alan Dulles was even uh, able to keep journalists that were critical of these events from traveling anywhere near Guatemala. Now, again, that doesn't mean that the communists or the socialists are good guys. It just means that this control mechanism is in place and it's now beginning to extend to foreign governments and foreign news stories. Frank Wisner then uh, steps into the realm of Hollywood. <clears throat> and according to Hugh Wilford in his book, Mighty Wurlitzer, How the CIA Played America, the CIA then began to take on the notion of cultural Cold War. This is the work of Frances Stoner Saunders and her book, The CIA and the Cultural Cold War. Now they want to recruit patriotic anti-communist movie studios. And again, please think beyond the dialectic here. It's playing on people's patriotism to get them to support not a real anti-communism, but a Fabian socialist mo merged model, you see. This is why the world government that we're going into now is not run by actual outright Marxists or Soviets. It's run by Fabians who align with big capital. This is why Klaus has a bust of Lenin. This is why David Rockefeller wrote about how he liked Mao Zedong. Wisner was helped by the fact that the House Un-American Activities Committee, chaired by Parnell Thomas, was carrying out investigations into the Hollywood Ten. The Hollywood HUAC, uh, 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 they interviewed 41 people from Hollywood, including everybody knows about the Hollywood 10, like uh, Bogart and Catherine uh, Hepburn and so forth. Others like Bert Bertolt Brecht, a playwright, eventually moved to East Germany. <laughs> so some of these people were actually into Sovietism, right? CIA and FBI provided right-wing television producer uh, Vincent Harden information about all the left-wing figures in Hollywood. But again, part of this was really to just hype up the notion of a Cold War uh, and a threat from the communists. Because the Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn, they weren't, they didn't have, they had star power and influence. They weren't literally turning the country into a Marxist hellhole. People like David Rockefeller had a lot more power to turn the country into a socialist hellhole. Then we enter uh, figures like Howard Hughes, who come onto the scene. Uh, excuse me, I mean, Howard Hughes is already on the scene, but I'm saying that uh, he comes into the picture because um, he gets involved in the Cold War as well. 
and wants uh, any future profits for any future Soviet wars. According to Saunders, in her 2000 book, Who Paid the Piper, Wisner recruited several important figures for Operation Mockingbird in Hollywood. This included OSS filmmaker John Ford, studio bosses Cecil B. DeMille of Paramount and Daryl Zanuck of 20th Century Fox. This is where we begin to get the Hollywood studios recruited into this operation. Even Howard Hughes, boss of RKO Pictures, according to Charles Hyam, uh, was involved in this because uh, Hughes was interested in the anti-communist crusade so that he could have airline profits from Korean and future Soviet wars. So it wasn't really about Americanism and winning uh, against the Russians or something like that. But that's important to understand that this is now the recruitment of Hollywood figures. And if you saw uh, the recent Guy Ritchie film that was uh, pretty decent, this uh, action action spy comedy called Operation Fortune, in that Jason Statham, uh, Aubrey Plaza movie, you'll notice that they recruit an actor, right? Josh Hartnett plays a famous actor who's blackmailed. So they go to this actor and they say, hey, we, we know about you and your mistress. You're going to come work for us in this intelligence operation run by British intelligence, which is a guess, a guess again, about AI. So it turns out that just like in the Mission Impossible film, there's an AI that's going to be set loose that will uh, basically cause the world's financial markets through a cyber attack to collapse. And so British intelligence saves us from the cyber attack. Sure. Yeah, right. No, they would be the actual ones running the cyber attack, uh, not saving us. Problem, reaction, solution. But that movie uh, echoes, in a lot of ways, this, this new Guy Ritchie movie, what we're talking about here. Going to these figures like Howard Hughes, Cecil B. DeMille, and saying, hey, uh, we want you to start helping us out with the Cold War. Help, uh, aren't you a patriot? Do you want the commies to win? No, you're going to work for us now. Now, why does all this matter for today? Because it's no different than, than now. What happens now with the propaganda that's churned out, say, in the last 20 years from Hollywood or from the blue checkmark uh, army of controlled, co-opted fake journalists is the exact same as the model what they did back then. The only difference is that now it's online. Then it was print media and Hollywood. Now it's online with Twitter files and colluding with, uh, as the Biden administration just admitted, yeah, we, we, we asked Facebook to censor anything we didn't like. And they did, <laughs> right? So same in the COOF. The Office of Strategic Services had as its uh, chief deputy, deputy of psychological warfare, C.D. Jackson in 1943. C.D. Jackson was also head of the Supreme Headquarters of Allied Expeditionary Force. And then he went to work for Henry Luce, Skull and Bones at Time Magazine. And this gets into Eisenhower, and when Eisenhower starts to learn about this, he, this is where we get the famous military-industrial complex speech. He's talking about this stuff. This is the show. Don't go anywhere. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer. Welcome back to the show. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis in the fourth hour, covering Operation Mockingbird and how it's really the architecture and model for the regime's total control and censorship across media, not just in the old print legacy media or the old TV network media in, in Hollywood, but now also the model for NewsGuard and how they censor everything online and the collusion between the regime and Facebook for the last several years and the excuses of Donald Trump and Russia collusion and P-gate and the bot farms, all of which has been shown 
admitted now to be completely made up, completely deceptive. And as I said, some of the British intelligence operatives who were involved in the crafting of the P-gate narrative, they were actually, they're actually openly Fabian socialist figures. As we said, um, this figure C.D. Jackson is important because as the managing director of Time Life International, working for C.D. Jack- Jackson and, and one of the largest publishing empires at that time, it really just became a complete mouthpiece of the CIA. And remember, C.D. Jackson is also the architect of the CIA's uh, doctrinal warfare program, which is intent on co-opting all of the churches for the Cold War in order to make them the mouthpiece of Americanism. Now, again, you might think, yeah, but that was uh, justified because we had the communist threat. Yeah, but now that explains why the Vatican and all these other entities uh, are, are controlled religious institutions. Now echoing the World Economic Forum talking points because they took on masters at this time. You understand? It's, and it's no different with the media. The media echoes the same mouthpiece uh, uh, disinformation talking points because they're owned by these people. Same structure still in place, just transferred over to big tech. <laughs> in fact, according to the Eisenhower Presidential Library, C.D. Jackson's area of responsibility was defined as international affairs, Cold War planning, and psychological warfare. Jackson was a key figure in Operation Mockingbird, and this was revealed after his death. In 1971, his wife gave her husband's papers to the Eisenhower uh, Library. It was then uh, made clear that he was in contact with CIA operatives at various Hollywood studios. It's speculated in various books as to who those CIA operatives might be at MGM, RKO. Uh, and other studios in order to ensure that the scripts, screenplays, and Hollywood films were put out in line with the establishment's narrative at that time. Again, doesn't mean that communism is good any more than I think that the regime's narrative uh, of radical Islam, even though that was a psyop uh, through the 90s and into the 2000s, right? That was utilizing Islam at that time for the war on terror as part of the psyop to pick an enemy, exaggerate that enemy, and then use that enemy as the regime's excuse to do whatever censorship, whatever they want to do. Think about the Smith-Munt Act. The Smith-Munt Act went away right before all of the P-Gate stuff. Now, the, the regime has done uh, uh, propaganda to the, to the American people, like we're saying here, all the way back to the beginning of the big uh, newspapers and the big uh, networks, right? But after the Smith-Munt Act, I think in 2013 going away, now it just became legal to do, right? So they just removed one of the roadblocks that makes it even easier to do now. And I don't think it's accidental that after that, you get the stay behind units of the uh, Obama-Biden regime uh, basically running all these operations against Trump. And that's where we get the integrity leaks. That's where we get this uh, establishment narrative concocted that Trump was a Russian agent. It's the same people. These are the same people, I'm saying, running the same strategies of the war on terror, OBL stuff, and the Cold War stuff. So my critique of this establishment's approach does not mean that communism is good or Soviets were good any more than it means that I'm saying that Osama bin Laden and the Salafis and the Wahhabis and radical Islam are good. I can disagree with both positions, you see. And all I'm trying to illustrate to you guys in the audience is that in order to understand how we got to where we are today, we go back to the canceling of the Cold War. 
people getting canceled back then. In the 1950s, uh, Wisner's OPC arranged for Joe Bryan to recruit anti-communist filmmaker Louis de Rochemont to produce a movie in Britain that was disguised to keep it hidden as a CIA project. In fact, they created a shell corporation at that time called Touchstone. This is different than the Disney Touchstone pictures from the 80s. And E. Howard Hunt, the basis for Tom Cruise's character in Mission Impossible, Ethan Hunt, was one of the key agents involved in the production of the film Animal Farm. His role was to remove the socialist elements in Orwell's allegory. So even Orwell's allegory uh, wasn't uh, enough because uh, Orwell is talking about not Stalinism per se, but Fabian socialism. Now, in 1984, you could argue that he's talking about the danger of Stalinism and Ingsoc or English socialism. But Animal Farm was still not conservative enough, and so they even wanted to edit that. And again, I don't, I'm not pro-Soviet. I'm just pointing out that you understand that the CIA is now getting directly involved in actual, full-on fake movie companies, shell corporation movie companies. Now, do you think that, that they, they stopped doing that? Or do you think maybe that Zero Dark Thirty and American Sniper and these other films coming out, maybe those are the same types of things. Do you understand then how it's a control mechanism? That's what I'm trying to get across to you. In fact, the CIA did not like certain scenes in the movie uh, and in the story of Animal Farm where the pigs and dogs face a liberation-style uprising of the other animals, so they wanted to even alter the existing story and script. In fact, the CIA then told the uh, other studios that they would like to see more democracy pushed in Hollywood and in films because the Soviets might try to capitalize on a lack of democracy in films. In fact, Graham Greene, who published the 1955 novel, The Quiet American, wrote the novel as a critique of the American approach to the Vietnam War. In that, in that novel, an aid worker goes under the cover of aid worker, is really a spy uh, employed by the CIA. And that character is based on the real world uh, PSYOP CIA figure of Edward Lansdale. Green then, Graham Greene then worked for the British intelligence uh, at that time and wrote this novel as a critique. And then ironically, the novel, which was a critique, was turned into a pro-American story uh, that recruited Audie Murphy to play the key role of the Edward, Edward Lansdale character. So what was originally a critique of American foreign policy actually became a propaganda film when they, when they cast Audie Murphy as Alden Pyle uh, in Graham Greene's story. Now, again, I'm not saying that that makes communism good. I'm just giving you examples of how the intelligence agency's collusion with Hollywood and the big studios during the Cold War is, allows the regime and the power structure to be entrenched in these relationships that continue into today. In fact, there's whole movies made about this. Wag the Dog is a movie made about this, where we have the establishment really telling directors and people what to do at times. If you watch that movie, you'll notice that the uh, Robert De Niro character is doing that very thing. Eisenhower then became concerned about a lot of these activities, including the CIA's covert activities. Now, does that mean that because Eisenhower begins to be concerned that he's now a commie? Is everybody who's concerned about this suddenly pro-commie? No. If that was the case, then we would begin to think that 
McCarthy is a commie because McCarthy's concerned about the CIA's relationship to communism and perhaps a lot of these people are actually socialists on the down low. Because guess what? They weren't. <laughs> That's the point. They're not Soviets. They're Fabians. They're socialists. They're pro-socialists. Eisenhower was, was worried about this, and so he appointed in 1956 David Bruce as a member of the Foreign Intelligence Advisory Consultant Board. Eisenhower asked him to do a report on the CIA. What are these covert actions really up to? A lot of these things don't align with our supposed stance in the Cold War. They seem to be more and more left and socialist. What's going on here? Turns out uh, the appointee, the Bruce guy, was actually very critical of Operation Mockingbird. He says, why are we controlling other countries' newspapers, buying them off, pushing things that are not always American or actually right-wing? So it turns out, yeah, that this giant media empire, and this gets into then the character of Hal Hendricks, who via the CIA plants the story, leaks the story that it's Lee Harvey Oswald behind the JFK assassination. Of course, nobody really knew that yet, but the story is planted by this figure. And that's very reminiscent, very, very similar to the story that's planted about Donald Trump, right? They plant these stories. Oh, he's a Russian agent, P-gate, collusion. Oh, they plant the story of Osama bin Laden before anybody knew anything. Oh, we know that Osama bin Laden did 9-11 right away. Exact same model of the stories being planted. And that's how Operation Mockingbird worked. Now, if Mockingbird worked then and Mockingbird worked for the planting of the Osama bin Laden story, guess what? Mockingbird works today for the planting of the P-Gate story and the DNC hack and all the other fake stories that Operation Mockingbird 2.0 has run.